Hey, Sacred Commons, this is JP. Today is February the 19th, 2021. We have just celebrated Ash Wednesday, and we are moving towards the first Sunday for us Saturday of Lent. Here's a reflection on Ash Wednesday from Joan Chittister. Ash Wednesday, an echo of the Hebrew Testament's ancient call to sackcloth and ashes, is a continuing cry across the centuries that life is transient, that change is urgent, and we don't have enough time to waste on nothingness. We need to repent our dilly-dallying on the road to God. We need to regret the time we've spent playing with dangerous distractions and empty diversions along the way. We need to repent of our senseless excess and our excursions into sin, our breaches of justice, our failures of honesty, our estrangement from God, our savorings of excess, our absorbing self-gratifications, one infantile addiction, one creature craving another. We need to get back in touch with our souls. Remember, man, that you are dust, and unto dust you shall return. The old sacramentary formula warned us from God's words to Adam and Eve as the ashes trickle down our foreheads. We hear now, as Jesus proclaimed in Galilee, turn away from sin and believe the good news. The Christian begins to live well when we prepare ourselves to die well. And this is exactly what it means to exercise the spiritual discipline of abstaining from things, fasting from things, asceticism. We meditate on the last things of humankind so that we can enter into this purgative way. It's corny and it's probably an unfaithful example, but I am reminded of a person that Diana introduced me to, which I was not familiar with. I guess she was very, very, she is and was very popular before I knew about her. Marie Kondo. And Diana had me practicing some of her techniques. She's known as like this minimalistic eliminator of excess, cleaning up your space, taking the things that you have collected and limiting those collections down to just the very essential things that bring you joy so that you can have a neater, more organized life, more organized home. One of her practices that she does, which... I've since practiced quite regularly after learning about it is you take all your junk, all your stuff, all your belongings. It could be a drawer. It could be a room, the things in that space. And then you one by one hold the item that uh, has been put in this place. So let's say you have a drawer. You take every item out. You hold it. And then you just say, does this bring me joy? How do I feel right now? What am I sensing? Is this something that still, after all these years, brings me joy, has significance? If the answer is yes, okay, cool. That's an essential thing. Uh, it's, it's something we're going to keep. So you organize it in a thoughtful way. If the answer is a no, then you eliminate it and you say goodbye. Maybe take a picture of it, whatever. Uh, document it. If it's a piece of paper, you could scan it, send it to your 
whatever system you use, Evernote, whatever. But if it's not something that brings you joy, and if you haven't touched it in a long time, and if it's just something that's taking up space, you say goodbye to it. You say, this isn't essential. This isn't something that I honestly need. This is excess. This is a diversion. This is a distraction. And that's a horrible way, probably, but it's just my way of of offering an example of Lent, these practices that we have of fasting, I believe it was Dallas Willard, I could be wrong, but I believe it was Dallas Willard who said, fasting is learning to live without the things we thought we could never live without so that we can truly find the one we cannot live without. I probably botched that up, but that's the, it's my way of saying what he said probably in a much better way. Ash Wednesday is just that echo that we find in the Old Testament, it's that echo that we find in the New Testament as it presents us themes of repentance, letting go, saying goodbye, departing from from excess. It's an echo from the early church. It's an echo from the great tradition of the church. St. Alphonsus was one who really knew what it was like to live your life with this kind of gravity. He he wrote, and I really like this, he wrote, He who loves God is humble, chaste, obedient, and mortified. In a word, he possesses all virtues. He quotes St. Augustine who said, Love and do what you wish. They who love God labor, this is back to Alphonsus, they who love God labor to avoid whatever is offensive to him and seek to please him in all things. Love God and do what you wish, but recognize that in your loving God, that is going to have such a weight uh, uh, and a holy kind of weight to it that will hopefully lead to your sanctification and doing what you wish will be completely animated by your love that you have for God and for neighbor. Ash Wednesday, Lent, this all helps us to get rid of those distractions, to center ourselves, to reorient ourselves, to recalibrate our compass in our spiritual pilgrimages, such a healthy practice. Not one that we have to perform well or manifest a performance. It's not that. If we have to perform it, we're, I think we're far from the heart of it. But this is a time where we, as the church, just recenter ourselves on what it means to be dust. Here's a short reading from St. Alphonsus in his work, Preparation for Death. This is consideration number eight, the death of the just. Last time we talked about the sentiments of the dying Christian who has been careless about the duties of religion and has thought but little of death. Today we're reading about the death of the just. 
Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. First point. The death of the just is a rest. Viewed according to the senses, death excites fear and terror, but viewed with the eyes of faith, it is consoling and desirable. To sinners, it appears full of terror, but to the saints, it is amiable and precious. It is precious, says St. Bernard, quote, as the end of labors, the consummation of victory, the gate of life. It is the end of toils and labors. Alphonsus goes on, man, says Job, born of a woman, living for a short time, is filled with many miseries. Behold, a picture of our life. It is short and all full of miseries, of infirmities, of fears, and of passions. What says Seneca? Do worldlings who desire a long life seek but a continuation of torments? What says St. August, St. Augustine? Is a prolongation of life but a prolongation of suffering? Yes, for as St. Ambrose tells us, the present life is given us not for repose, but that we may labor and by our toils merit eternal glory. Hence Tertullian has justly said that when God abridges life, he abridges pain. Hence, though man has been condemned to death in punishment of sin, still the miseries of this life are so great that according to St. Ambrose, death appears to be a remedy and a relief rather than a chastisement. God pronounces happy all who die in his grace. Sorry, I'm, I'm not used to reading it that way, but this is the way Alphonsus writes it. Happy all who die in his grace because they terminate their labors and go to repose. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. From henceforth now saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors. I think I'm just going to stop with that. I think it's so beautiful. He goes on, but maybe we should just reflect on that. That death for the just, for those who die in the Lord, is a rest arrest. It's the end of labors, the consummation of victory, the gate of life. Amen.